Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much as always for taking time out of your week to listen to the podcast. Don't forget you can get all our previous editions at the website at mvp247.com or you can follow us on various social media. Just search for the MVP cast. Now, my guest this week, one of the, the high flyers of British basketball. I've been so keen to get him on the podcast for quite a while. The man can jump. He can jump right out of the gym. He is, he is so big that he's finally found his way to being a giant. He's at the Manchester Giants. He is Dirk Williams. Welcome to the MPP cast, Dirk. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad. To, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm still in the UK. It's been a few years now. Does it, you know, you're Sheffield starting out, then you, know, you dipped away for a bit, you did a couple of years in London, now in Manchester. I mean, did, does this country feel like home now? Yeah, it definitely does feel like home for me. Um, you know, I've been here for a while. As you said, um, obviously, I've built a foundation for myself as well. I have my wife, I have my kids, so you know, obviously, I got my family out here as well. So yeah, I, I would definitely say that the UK is my home. How important is that? I mean, your son's, I think, three now. Is that right? Um, yeah, he's three now. Yeah. How, how important is it for you to to have them here? You know, because you know, I think when he was younger, you had spells apart. But you know, how much does it mean, and how much does it help you to, for, to, as a player? as a dad to, you know, to have the family, you know, relatively close by. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great for me, honestly, cause I'm a family man. I like to be around my family. Um, obviously, um, I get to be around my son and watch him grow up. Cause you know, especially at these years now, it's like, it's early, you know, they're trying to learn and absorbing a lot of stuff. So I feel like I can teach him a lot of stuff at this age. So I'm glad I, I get to be close and be around him. Cause I, I know I won't be able to get those years back. If that makes sense. But they, they, you're playing Manchester. They're living in Sheffield. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that a sign of the affection you had for the Sharks and Sheffield when you know, it was your first professional gig? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously when I met my wife uh, my my first year, you know, uh, we wanted to build something. Um, I, obviously, you know, I thought Sheffield could be somewhere. I could build a foundation. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And, uh, you know, we have to move on. So, you know, I'm just for me. I, I mean, I like Sheffield as a city. Um, so I, I always, you know, love to be out there with my family and stuff like that. And you know, he's three, but is he already taking those steps and following in Daddy's footsteps as a bowler? Yeah, yeah, he he loves it. Um, actually, I haven't even taught him how to shoot. He has a really good jump shot naturally already. <laughs> so I think it's it's going to be pretty awesome to see his see how he grows and see how you know how good he can be when he gets older. Because you, you've got one of your t- teammates coaching him at times, don't you? Yeah, yeah. My teammate, Nick Lewis, um, you know, he has these he has his uh, foundation going on called Make It Work Global. Um, I think he's doing a really, a really good uh, job with the things that he's doing there. Uh, he's doing all types of age groups, you know, from even from like three years old. And, you know, Dirk's three and he's getting exposed to that stuff at such an early age. And, I, 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 you know, I commend Nick because he's doing a great job with it. With um, your journey. And you're you're an Alabama native, and you're from the city of Birmingham, as everyone calls it, the other Birmingham. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of my favourite US cities for a reason. It has, in my opinion, one of the best, and I'm not underselling this, one of the best museums in the world in its Civil Rights Institute. 
And for anyone who would never think about going to Birmingham, Alabama, because it's you know, it's a little off the beaten track if you're looking at the big places to go and visit the US, it is worth the journey because it is it has the Rosa Parks bench. And if you don't know who Rosa Parks is, Google it because you know she's a vital important figure in the in the sort of fight for equality and civil rights in the US. And it, you know, I remember the place that I learned so much, and I found you know, I came away much more educated um, about what had gone on in, in the states. And you know, as a as, as as child of the South, um, you know, we have this sort of image, you know, of 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 that division and and the issues and the, the issues that continue today. What was it like for you, growing up in a place that you know for a lot of people is was was one of the centres of the civil rights movement? Yeah, I mean, obviously, for the most part, you know, it was normal. I mean, you still get the the normal segregation, you know, where you know certain certain races live with certain races in certain areas and stuff like that. But for the most part, everything was normal. Um, obviously, you know, you have times where you you get those type of you know acts of of racism or and stuff like that but you know for the most part it was normal i think uh growing up we we learned how to maintain it and, and get through it did it help knowing that because you know you've got this history in your doorstep and history educates us i mean you i guess you can't you can't escape that history but that's i suppose a knowledge that people take with them and that you know probably learn from a little bit yeah yeah for sure obviously you know there's there's a lot of stuff that life throws at you that that's uh, definitely learn. That's learning curves for you. I think uh, being in Birmingham, it taught me a lot. You know, I lived there till I was about 16 years old. So obviously, I had a lot of ups and downs, ebbs and flows. So I feel like I did learn a lot there, growing up. What um, what was the the place for you as as a as a child? You've you've talked about in the past. You know, that our basketball kind of kept you on the the straight and narrow, as we would say. You know, on on the right path. What what for you was floating around this right path? Um, yeah, obviously, you know, the basketball it was it definitely kept me on the right track. You know, um, it was just something that kept me focused. Um, you know, my mom always my mom was always on me about you know the distractions off the court. You know, because uh, I was in such a bad area, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. So I think it was just basketball was just something that they kept me going. I think uh, the only problem that I maybe had was just trying to focus on the academics. I just always thought basketball, basketball, basketball. Uh, I just kind of just knew in my mind that I was going to be playing basketball in my life somewhere down the line. How much? How much of that was you know, your dad, Dirk, as well, um, and your mom? Yeah, you know, those those we like to say nagging. You know, nipping at your ear to remind you about the grades. Yeah, yeah, especially my mom. She was always on me about it. She used to beg me sometimes and stuff like that. So when I finally, once I finally buckled down and and locked in on it, you know, it actually, it actually wasn't as hard as I kind of made it seem. Or all I just had to do is just focus in, and uh, you know, I could do it. You know, when you put your mind to something, you can do anything. What what was the light bulb moment for you? Because you know, as kids, you kind of you know you, you go along and you don't think about it, and you kind of sometimes go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when grown ups are saying something, you know, was it, was there a moment for you when you thought, right, oh, if I don't do this, basketball's in danger. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would have to say um, when I was going into my senior year of high school, I got ruled ineligible, um, like in the mi- middle of the season because of my academics. 
So, you know, because of that, because of that happening, I was uh, verbally committed to Virginia Tech. I was supposed to go there right out of high school. Um, I kind of had to detour that because of that situation, and I had to go to junior college. And I ended up going to junior college, and I think that was the moment right there uh, where I'm like, if I don't buckle down now, you know, I may not have a chance because, you know, JUCO, you have two years to get your stuff together so so that you can go to a Division One or a bigger school or any type of school that you want to play sports for a scholarship. So I think uh, that was just my moment that where I needed to buckle down on the academics so that I could get through. And, and you know, it, I, it's got me to where I'm at today. Did you regret that? Because, you know, every time I speak to you, you always come across as, you know, as a smart guy, and, you know, and a, guy, a guy that, you know, would be at a, you know, a good school and a good, if you weren't good at basketball, you'd be at a good school doing a good, good degree. Um, you know, did you miss out on something by not getting, you know, not taking that opportunity at the age of 16, 17, that you maybe had to play catch up? I don't know. Uh, I've always told my friends, you know, that I, um, that I wish I could have went all four years of division one um you know obviously in juco you don't get the luxuries and the you know the incentives and stuff that you get in division one so and you know even just the development the development style of of coaching and stuff like that that you have in division one you know i was kind of late to it because i went to junior college first do you have to fight harder then to get noticed or maybe even not get noticed but because coaches are always looking but to kind of gain that confidence in a coach or an ad or a recruitment coach that you know you're you are the kind of player that will work hard on the court as well as off the court yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't actually say um that it was harder to get d1 coaches to mm-hmm. look at me in juco because um junior college um you know is very competitive and there's a lot of there's a lot of really good players that go there a lot of them go there for the same reason that i that i was currently in you know as far as academics so you know, and you got players that are just transferring; they don't have a division. So some guys go from Division One to, to JUCO for like a year and stuff like that. So you, it's really good competition there. Um, obviously, you have some teammates that are bringing in schools, and that gives you opportunities to to get some schools to look at you as well. So I think the ex, the exposure is really good in JUCO. I think you know that there there are a lot of I think as time goes by and the years go on, I, there are there are a lot of opportunities for basketball especially in the States. You went back home, effectively to work, began to, to University of Alabama, Birmingham for your for your junior and senior years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of guys when we go to uni, you, you kind of want to go away, you want to see the world a little bit. You, you came back. Was that just the best offer or was there something in you you thought, this is the place I want no, to go. It actually wasn't the best offer. Um, <laughs> uh, for, I mean, obviously, I had a lot of big schools, but um, at that point in my life, you know, I was coming from JUCO. And, you know, when you leave JUCO after your second year, it's very important because you only got two years left. And, you know, you got to think that some of those big schools, like, you know, like the Dukes and Kentuckys, and, you know, those type of schools like that, you know, <laughs> if they bring you in from JUCO and you go in as a junior, they're probably going to bring in a freshman as well. And, you know, they're going to – they're the freshmen are the ones that are more important than, you know, junior as a senior. Once you get – once you become a junior and senior, you aren't as important as, like, a freshman or a sophomore, you know, because, you know, you're almost on your way out. The guy that you played with there is a the guy you play with now, William Lee. Um, what was the first impression? Uh, well, the first impression of William Lee, you know, it was just he was uh, a shot blocker. You know, they before I got there, they called him the mayor of Blockingham. Like he had his own 
name. He was the mayor of Blockingham. <laughs> so, you know, I I was interested to see it. You know, when I when I got there, he was amazing shot blocker, super athletic, can shoot the ball real well. I think um, so. It was, it was definitely fun playing with uh, William Lee. What what's it like now? I mean, you you've come full circle, and here you are again on the you know almost you know several years later. Um, and, and you end up playing on the same team together. I mean, when, when you find this out last summer, what what was the messaging going on to each other? Yeah, we was very excited. You know, I was uh, I was excited when Vince, you know, when he shot me the message saying that, uh, you know, he wanted to see if William Lee would be interested in coming to Manchester. And, you know, as soon as he said that, I messaged William Lee straight away. <laughs> and I was actually surprised because he, he messaged me straight away because, you know, there was that incident that happened in Leicester that was saying that he he had retired. So, you know, I didn't know what the situation was with that. So, you know, I asked him and he was he said he was ready straight away because we had been trying to team up for a while anyway. Is that chemistry there? I mean, do you guys pick up exactly where you left off back in I don't know, 2017? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. And, you know, for us, it's even more better because, you know, we're a lot more mature. We're a lot more older. Um, you know, we've got a lot more um, – can I say wisdom and knowledge towards the game so I think um, you know it's easy for us to to communicate with each other get on to each other when we're when we're slacking and stuff like that so you know, I'm really enjoying it did you when you're coming through certainly in your senior year when you started most of the games and you know and the num- numbers were good enough that you know you know you're going to get a look somewhere or the, you know there'll be an agent at least wants to 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 pimp you out and to you know to to, to scouts or GMs did, did you sort of think about this a career plan you know i don't know if it's you know some guys will go yeah i want to try and get in the g league or some guys will go, i just want to play anywhere or some guys will go i want to try europe and what what was your sort of plan when you were peering ahead at you know whatever it was age 20 you know 21 22 yeah i mean obviously um around after college you know it's everybody's dream to to you know at least try and get a shot at the nba and doing the little nba training camps and workouts but um Unfortunately for me, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, the opportunities wasn't there, but, um, you know, I met my agent, um, over the summer and, you know, he, he let me know that, you know, Europe, Europe was a good idea. So, you know, I, I, I didn't mind it. I just love to play basketball. So I don't really care where I am or where I go. I'm just going to play and I'm going to play to the best of my ability. So that's how I always see it. And, you know, besides I went to Juco, um, you know, I'm used to being away. I'm used to being away from my family and, being on my own and stuff like that because that's kind of the type of life that I had to live because of basketball had so you been I, to so, Europe before then no um when I when I came to the Sharks that was my first time leaving the country I didn't know what to expect <laughs> so you, were you went, was, was there a certain level of nervousness there or was it excitement or what was yeah, the emotions was when you're nervous. looking up Sheffield I mean, on a map yeah, I mean, I had never heard of Sheffield. I'm like Sheffield. What is what is a Sheffield like? I had no idea. Um, I was obviously I was nervous about flying across water and stuff for that long amount of time. Uh, the first thing that tripped me out when I first got here was how everybody drive on the left side of the road Typical. and how the steering wheel was on the diff- on the opposite side. I think that was the and how cold it was. 
because you're a southern boy you know it's year round sunshine yeah. almost but, um, yeah i need that heat <laughs> <laughs> i mean how do you adjust yeah i mean obviously there's always that thing about you know teammates will support you or you know a tebow would you know, support you there but you know it's, what's how long does it take to kind of get your head around this thing you know it's, it's not just i know we speak english of a certain variety especially in sheffield but how do you how do you get your head around all these things how long does it take yeah, I mean, for me personally, I don't think it was that big of an adjustment coming here because, you know, you you got people that speak English. Um, so it was, you know, it's easy to communicate. Um, I, I don't once I learned how to drive on the left side of the road, I think it's easy to get around out here as well. I think it would have been different if I had to went somewhere like uh, when I played in Hungary, if I had to went somewhere like there first, which it may have gave me a, a different perspective on life out here and stuff like that, because, you know, no one speaks English. Um, when I was out there, you know, I was always having to use Google Translator. Um, yeah, so I think, I think yeah, be, being in the UK, I think it was actually a good blessing for me. You know, I've and you know, and it's showing. You know, I'm playing. I'm happy. Um, you know, I like playing out here. I think I'm pretty respected by a lot of fans out here in the league. I mean, your first season yeah. at Sharks, and you averaged six point sixteen points a game five rebounds it was you know it was a really impressive kind of first campaign it always mm-hmm. it was always intriguing you when you come into the bbl i mean people talk about it as an american style league in the sense it's you know it's different to playing in a lot of places in mainland europe in terms of the tactics and the coaching and the approach for it but mm-hmm. what, what what was the biggest adjustment your game had to make to coming over here um, for me, you know, especially at the Sharks was, uh, just learning how to be more in attack mode. Uh, cause you know, that's what most teams look, look out of me as a player, you know, um, like even when I was at the Sharks, you know, um, I, I started off a bit slow. I wasn't really scoring and stuff like that, but, um, I ended up having a meeting with coach Atiba and, you know, they, they was like, look, we didn't bring you out here to pass the ball. We want you to score. So, you know, that was one of the things that that let me know, you know, that a lot of teams are going to want me to score the ball and, you know, look to be more in attack mode. Um, and another thing that I would have to say is, you know, just getting used to the physicality and stuff like that. Because, you know, if you if you watch me play, I'm I'm getting like guarded tough or I'm getting guarded by some of the best defenders each and every night. So I think that was another thing that I had to get adjusted to. I mean, in terms of the education and probably the duty of care process, I mean, this is your sixth season overseas now. What what better or what or what ways could a league like the BBL? And we're always talking about you know how it's changing and how it's you know trying to upgrade. What what way could players like yourself who are you know, coming, as you said, out of the country for the first time, have better support to just deal with situation, deal with life, deal with the professional side of this, the business side of it, when you know you're you're essentially taken from home when you're pitched halfway across the world oh i mean at the end of the day you gotta um i don't think it's that bad of an adjustment because uh you know you're out here for a reason you know you're in your career you should just be motivated by that off just off that alone you know this is what you this is what you making a living off of this is uh what brings the food to the table this is what's going to provide you for your family so i think from that's kind of how i look at it and and i'll obviously also i love the game of basketball so you know if you love the game of basketball you willing to play anywhere or play in any circumstances or whatever 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 the circumstances is really 
Well, has that enthusiasm for the sport been there since the first time you picked up a ball, or where is it? Where did it come from? Yeah, I mean, I've had the love for the basketball for basketball for sure since the first time I picked it up. I've been playing since I was five years old. Um, organized basketball. My mom always had me playing uh, guys older than me and stuff like that. So I felt like I had, I had um, matured my game a lot quicker and adjusted to stuff a lot earlier growing up. What What was the I don't know the ultimate basketball experience for you? I mean, you because obviously at college you get to play against future stars and future NBA stars. But you know, when you look back at before you got to the pros and before you sort of you know, make a success of things in Sheffield, what you know, what's the game and the, and the memories that you have that really, you know, you'll, you'll be still talking about in a rocking chair on your porch when you're 85? Um, I have a couple. So I um, I got another crazy dunk in college as well. Um, that made Sports Center, made ESPN top ten. I think that was a big moment, and also um, the moment that I played against Kansas, which is my dream school. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a really good game against them. I think I scored like fifteen or seventeen points. I mean, we lost by a lot, but I had a stretch where we, I brought us like me and one and one other player brought us into within single digits to where to the point where we we where we felt like we had a chance to where we thought we could you know give them a run for for their money but you know it was my it was my dream school so i was just excited to play in front of kansas and you know it was in kansas and you playing against in front of their fans playing against front of, in front of thousands of people i think the sprint center holds like 10 to 15k so you know you're playing in front of like fifteen thousand people i thought that was thought that was pretty cool you mentioned a sports center dunk but you you had one of those in sheffield as well yeah i did <laughs> tell me about that i mean how does how does that blow up Describe that sort of 24, 48 hours because it was against Surrey. Yeah, it was against Surrey. I think that the tensions were high. You know, it was a very, it was a super competitive game. It was obviously, it was in overtime with a lot of trash talking going on and stuff like that. So it's just one of those that was, it it was in my mind that I knew that uh, if I had an open lane, I was just going to go up and dunk. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, What a lot of people don't talk about, though, is right after that dunk, I got a block to seal the game. Nobody ever shows that clip, but I thought that that was that was pretty big time to be able to do a dunk like that and stay composed enough to go down and get on defense and get a block as well. Um, but yeah, um, I wake up the next morning and I have my phone just blowing up. I got my friends telling me that I was all on Sports Center and ESPN, and I'm waking up and uh, seeing it all on House of Highlights and stuff like that. I thought it was just super cool, you know, to see that. Something that I did, especially all the way out here in the UK, and it gets noticed in the states. I thought I thought that was pretty big time. And two two million hits on YouTube. Yeah, that's like mind blowing. Yeah, it was cool. That was that was definitely a cool experience for me personally. Is it nice to get? I mean, cause especially over here, where you're kind of separated from home in a way. And, you know, it's not it's not. I mean, that's the that's the mission at the minute. But you know that suddenly your buddies are like. Woo, you're big time. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously, you know, when you do stuff like that, you know, it gives you a boost of confidence in your in your mind. Obviously, for me, I'm, a, I'm I like to be humble, so I try not to let it boost my confidence too much, but obviously, you know, stuff like that if it gives you a rhythm, and you know, when I when I dunk something like that, you know, a lot of 9 times to 10, a lot of people aren't going to want to jump they think you know it's going to happen so i think after that dunk you know i started to get a lot of a lot more stuff easier at the rim mm-hmm. 
you um you had the two years at Sheffield, and then you decided to go overseas to to Hungary, and right in the middle of Hungary, and and you said you know it's all, it's Google Translate, it's a different world. I mean, was that a, was that a tough year or an interesting year? Um, I would say it was a mixture of both. I mean, obviously, I had to get used to you know being in a different country where they where they don't speak English and stuff like that. Um, but you know, playing wise, I thought it was great. I, you know, I had a great I had a great season statistically. Um, I impacted that team. I thought pretty well. Um, I thought the fan support was very nice there. You know, people in people in Europe like they're they're super passionate about basketball. So I did enjoy that as well. Um, because was that the yeah, year when was, your son was born? Uh, yeah, it was. It was right right before he, not too long after he was born. And so did he and your wife come with you to Hungary, or were they? Overseas? Yeah, she was a bit back and she was a bit back and forth. Like she'd come there, stay for a few weeks, and then she'd go home for a few months and then come. But then you know that was the year that COVID hit as well. I mean, you're so you're so close, and you're really such an engaged father. I mean, how how do you sort of deal with that separation at that point in time, and in such a, as you said, an unusual global circumstance? Yeah, I mean, it it did drive me cr- like it. Yeah, I had I had some emotional moments, you know, because obviously there were there were nights, you know, where I'm there alone and not really having much to do. Where you know, I felt like I would love to be around my family and stuff like that. But um, obviously. You know, I was I had to look at the bigger picture and you know um, know that I was there to to support my family and stuff like that. So obviously that was the type of stuff that kept me going and kept me motivated motivated while I was there. Do you, do you transfer that now when you're playing? You know, both when you're in London, probably less, but now in Manchester, you know, you've got rookies and you got guys who are you know overseas. Can you recognize now that kind of I don't know the psychological torment if you want to put it at the top level, but you know, homesickness. Or, you know, people being separated in a way that, you know, allows you to, you know, put a hand on someone's shoulders or an arm around their, you know, their shoulder or whatever. And, you know, understanding the, that the difficulty, the downside to this game that, you know, that you have to sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've actually had it this year uh, with Taj Green. You know, he's had some moments in the season where, you know, I've had to give him some advice about, you know, being away from his family and stuff like that. Because, you know, obviously he's just can't he's just come over here for his first year. You know, it does get around that, that stretch, you know, around Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that where, you know, it's family-oriented holidays, you know, where it makes you want to be around your family and stuff. So I definitely understand how it was. And, you know, I was definitely that guy that could give some good advice. And I think it's cool now because I'm six years in, and, you know, I was that guy. It felt like yesterday I was that guy, you know, coming in and feeling that type of way. And now I'm the one that's tr- kind of giving some guys advice and stuff when they first coming over. You're two years in London, and an, an interesting two years to be on the inside of something. We see London last weekend winning, you know, BBL Cup, surprisingly the first trophy under the you know, the new ownership, and you were. You got an inside track in that, in terms of you know the buyout and the the, the transformation and the investment and the the, the build. Um, what's it like to be part of something that's you know revolutionary, different, changing things? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I thought it was cool, and uh, um, I was happy to to actually have the opportunity. Um, I think it was good that, um, especially the year before, you know, we. We won some. We got some success in Europe. You know, we won some games, advanced in the in the first round of the Europe Cup. So, you know, I thought my my time and my experiences 
in London was good. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed myself while I was there. What did you feel, you know, as as players? You know, you, you can sort of see the wind of change coming. And obviously, you know, midway through last season, when you know, Vince, you know, departs. And that's a kind of signal, I think, towards the makeover of, of, of the franchise. But, you know, did, did you sort of... Do you, do you feel like it sort of was coming overnight or every week did you sort of say, oh, well, this is being added or, you know, we're, we're doing this or this has been added to the mix or, you know, did, what, what did it feel like for you as a, as a, as a part of this? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, especially last year, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on, you know, as far as Vince, um, Vince being fired mid-season and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you know, I have to, my mindset, you know, I have to be a professional. So um, I just tried to stay the course and, you know, do what, do what I could to to try and help bring some success to the team and, um, you know, just make sure I felt good for myself personally, you know, after it as well. How do you, how do you deal with that as a, as a player in process? Because I, I, I remember, and, you know, I, I think I, was one of the people that broke the news and it was a couple of hours probably even after it happened and you know Vince is such a big character you know in basketball everyone knows Vince and you know you guys I think I got told at practice if I remember you know one morning I mean you know what what's the sort of process like because you say it's a business but also you know this is a people business and you you've you grow close to people or you talk to people and how, how as players do you process news like that um like I said, uh, you, yeah, you just got to be able to be professional and just move on about it. I mean, this wasn't my first time, you know, dealing with a coach change mid-season. Um, you know, I had it happen when I was in Hungary. So it's just something that you just have to adjust to and uh, just keep moving forward. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I kept moving forward and I'm here with Vince today. So, yeah, just just about being a professional at the end of the day. How do you view that the potential for London as somebody's played there and you've seen the baby steps and seen more steps this year? I mean, do, do you sense, you know, having you know, spoken to the fans and seen the growth there that this can be transformational? I mean, this could be something that's bigger and better than we've ever seen before in this country. Yeah, for sure. I think it can be transformational uh, for sure. You know, I think, um, you know, eventually a lot of the other teams in the league are, you know, they're going to want to try and match what uh, match what the Lions are doing down there. And, you know, eventually I think it will happen. Uh, I think Triple Seven is trying to invest in the league as best as they can, and I think, um, you know, uh, with them with them being a part of the mix, I think it will help out a lot. Saying that, yeah, you find yourself a free agent last summer, um, and then the phone goes and it's Vince. How long did it have to take you to? consider the offer to reunite yourself with them up in Manchester? Uh, it didn't take too long. It took a few <laughs> days. Uh, obviously, you know, I had my uh, spurts where I, w- I was going to go to Europe. I mean, I was super close uh, to going to a couple countries like uh, Italy um, and the Netherlands as well. And I had another country, France. So I just, uh, yeah. But once, I mean, once he called, I think it was. I think it was just a good opportunity for me because I'm right now. I'm in a position too where I can, you know, I can get my British British passport. I just have to be out here a little bit more consistently. And is that? I mean, is that sort of important in terms of maybe the doors that would unlock for the long term future or for basketball future? Uh, uh, 
Yeah, it's for long term, uh, for sure. And then obviously, you know, I think it'll help with basketball as well. You know, if I could be counted as British, you know, maybe it'll help uh, help out a team. And, and would that mean that you know you've you've embraced our customs like you know tea that's warm and you know Yorkshire puddings? I mean, do you feel like you know this is you you've you've really got your feet under the table now of of our culture? Yeah, I've eaten, I've eaten all that. I, I I make my my morning cup of teas every morning. Put the milk in there. Yeah. I have my my toast with it too, so yeah, I'm, I would pretty sure I could say I'm pretty British for the most part. If, if you're embracing it with warm tea and milk, you've definitely lost your Southern American yeah, yeah preference. <laughs> yeah, you've had so many opportunities through basketball, and we talk about the power of basketball a lot in terms of you know the opportunities, the doors that it opens, and even in this country, you know the difference that you know, those community clubs makes or grassroots basketball makes and then, you know, the transformational power perhaps at the higher level. I mean, for you, what do you, what do you think is unique about this sport that it connects people in in different ways? I mean, obviously, you know, with basketball, you know, it teaches you how to be a team. It, uh, it brings, you know, it brings a brotherhood amongst yourself. Uh, you also, uh, also, you constantly meet new guys. You get to meet, you know, some, a good like even this year you know i got a good group of guys that i met um you know sometimes you know these these relationships take you a long way you know guys you know, sometimes it it goes further than just off the court um like even la even my teammate last year lorenzo cugini i'm i'm cool with him uh you know i meet guys like that um he's invited me to his wedding this summer i think you know so obviously you know you get to meet a lot you know you get to meet a lot of people and also uh, the basketball community is very small. Like I, I, there's been plenty of times where I've played with somebody that's played with somebody that I knew, you know, down the line, or something like that as well. Do you have to like your teammates? Do you have to like them? Yeah. Uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, y'all gonna be on the court playing and fighting for each other every day. So I, I think it'll be difficult if you trying to play with somebody that you don't like I can't admit it has there ever been someone that you really disliked that you had to play with <laughs> yeah try not to be like that um, <laughs> um, obviously you know, there, there's I mean how I look at the game is you know stuff stuff happens in basketball you know there's bad shots there's turnovers and stuff like that so at the end of the day you just gotta keep playing so that's kind of just how I see it how do you keep trying to improve your game? Because you know you're still you know you're still playing so well. You're still playing at high level. You're still getting you know highlight reels, and you know you're it's 18 points a game this year, which is your best tally since your second season in in, in Sheffield. I mean, what for you is the little things that you look for in a season? You know, season number six to go right. I'm going to be better than I was in season five. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I uh, usually like to just go over some film and stuff in the summer and. Uh... You know, I got a trainer that I have in Sheffield, strength and conditioning guy that I have in Sheffield as well. And, you know, I look over film and stuff, and I just look at look at the stuff that I want to get better at. Um, and, you know, I just go and work on it during the summer. Uh, I feel like for me, you know, it's not just about just working on a million things. I think it's just me trying to perfect, like, one particular thing or two particular things at a time. I'm not like – I don't like to be that type of guy that goes in and just works on a million moves and stuff like that. Is there still another move? I mean, you talk obviously about you know trying to get the passport, and yeah, and you know you like clearly like this country. Um, 
But is is there another big move in you into? I mean, you mentioned France, mentioned Italy, which for now are better leagues than here. I mean, do you, do you want to have that one shot at a place that we would consider top level? Yeah, of course. Uh, eventually, I, I would want to do it. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, figure out certain stuff here first before I just up and try and leave the country. Um, but yeah, most definitely, I do want to, you know, try and see like you know see how good of a player i can be you know in some of those top levels like even i felt like when i was in hungry which a couple guys have told me the same they felt like i should have just kept going up from there because i had a really good season there i shot like 48 percent from mm. three um, i was averaging like 18 points per game so i was i was doing pretty well out there i was very impactful What's after basketball? I mean, you're still quite young, you know, spring chicken, but you know, you're 28 now, so you're bang in the middle of a of professional career. But if you, do, you, do you start to think about, you know, what you want to do after basketball? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been in, uh, you know, I want to eventually get into the coaching and stuff like that. I hope, hopefully, you know, even if, if it's all said and done, I have my passport here, you know, I want to, maybe I can be one of those type of guys that can impact kids um, out here, you know, and try and build, build a little um, foundation you know for kids as far as having basketball clinics and stuff like that or even just being a basketball coach do you you test yourself out a little bit now even if it's just going down and helping out at your son sessions and just you know getting getting the feel for this yeah I'm always uh, I'm always there I'm always hoping Uh, when I'm there with Nick um, I've even already told Nick that this summer that um, I can help him as well so yeah, uh, you know, I love being around the game of basketball and uh, I would love to, you know, teach the younger generation, especially being able to impact impact uh, here in the UK, you know, because basketball is on the come up. And I think um, a lot of kids, a lot of kids nowadays are loving the sport. So I think it'll be cool to be able to impact um, some of the future. Let's talk about Giants in this year before we let you go. Ten and nine starting the league. Yeah. It's been up and down a bit. William Williams been out. Obviously, he's back now. You know, seems to be a bit more settled. I mean, everyone seems like they're playing for second at this point. You're probably with nine losses. It probably is the case. But yeah, what do you, what goals do you guys set now, going into the second half of the season? Yeah, we just um right now we just want to try and just you know set set the bar and set the foundation. You know, try and try and get us a run going um you know even today uh, me and ramon fletcher we hosted a, a players meeting you know we got the guys together just to see how everybody was feeling mentally physically and stuff like that so and you know we we kind of you know because we are we are the two guys that are um super experienced you know as far as with our team um in the bbl so you know it was cool for us to just you know let the guys know um how important this stretch is and you know how fun it would be to you know get a chance to uh, be in the playoff final. So uh, I think we just want to at this point we just want to try and string up as many wins as we can to put us in the best position possible. You know to to have an opportunity to get to the playoff final. What what sparks a players meeting this this stage of the year and you know that's this may be different from just you know sitting around chatting after practice. Obviously, you know it's the second half of the season. You know, it's going, it's getting to that, to that uh, business end of the season, the nitty gritty part of the season. You know, a lot of teams are making those last and final changes. Um, a lot of teams are getting better. A lot of teams are staying the same. So, you know, we just wanted to make sure, you know, 
that we got our guys together and, you know, we want to make sure that we, we as a group know that, you know, we have a talented group and that we can get better and that we can be a good team and a scary team. And we could be a scary team in the playoffs as well. I got to ask a players only meeting. Is the agreement that Vince doesn't find out what was said? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, because I don't. Uh, obviously, you know, we are we're a team, but you know, it's just one of those things. You know, you just want to see how the players are, and you know, obviously, me and me and Fletcher are kind of looked at as the captain. So you know, we we see how the players are, and you know, if they don't like anything and stuff like that, it's it's just a professional way to be able to just present it to Vince, and you know, just let him know um, how the team feels and stuff like that. And then, you know, he's not outside the door, you know, with a glass up against it or anything like that, you know. Not that you know of, no, anyway. You know, he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's cool. He knows, he knows, <laughs> he knows we have a good group of guys, you know. This team, this team that we have this year, it's no egos and stuff like that. So I think everybody's, everybody's comfortable to speak up to each other, um, get on to each other when things aren't going well. Um, yeah, everybody's, you know, not afraid to express themselves. I think uh, Vince has done well with that to you know letting us you know have the floor to speak or whenever whenever anybody's feeling a certain way about anything on the court and now second half of the season time to make the run it's playoff yeah towards the playoffs um yeah sure. we wish you well with that if you want to follow dark on instagram you can get him at dark williams underscore 11 he does he posts some nice photos on that yeah it's good it's good stuff it's worth a follow um yeah. dark always great to talk to you continued success good luck you know with everything and um keep enjoying daddy coaching yeah thank you um thank you for having me on the show and um i wish you nothing but the best you know moving forward with your show i think you're doing a great job thanks man appreciate it that is it for this edition of the mvp cast and you can get all the previous editions via the mvp website at mvp247.com or via your preferred podcast provider or you can ask one of your smart devices to play the mvp cast if you want to get in touch with me you can get me on twitter at mark Brittle. always great to hear from you and your thoughts on the show or who you might like to have as a guest in the future we will have another edition of the mvp cast coming very soon but for me mark woods appreciate you listening and it's goodbye <laughs>